Welcome to LoveWise Relationship Radio, bringing you love stories, advice, and open conversations for finding and nurturing true and lasting love. More wisdom at TrishaBennett.com. I'm Trisha Bennett, a couples and family therapist in practice for over 30 years. On behalf of myself, my co-hosts, and all of our guests, welcome and enjoy. I have a married celebrity guest, Emily Gaylord, joining me today. So, Emily, thanks for joining us. How are you today? No problem. I'm great. Fantastic. So what we'd love for the listeners to have you share is, first of all, share a little bit about who you are, what you do, and then we're going to go into some fun questions in a, in a little bit after you do the intro to give all the single women who are listening some of those secret tips that we all yearn for from married women who have what we want. So I'm going to let you take it away. Sure. So my name is Emily. I work in marketing and communications at a small prep school in Western Massachusetts, Wilbraham and Munson Academy. Part of my job here is to manage the magazine. Um, We have an alumni magazine like colleges do. I do a lot of copy editing. I do some design. I also get to work with students in the afternoon in a community service program. So I get to touch into a lot of different things, which is completely wonderful for me been married for, I guess, about a year and a half, so still technically a newlywed, depending on your terms for that. Some say a year, some say five, so who knows, but I still feel like one, so I guess that's what really matters, right? (laughs) You bet, especially if you can keep that feeling going throughout your whole marriage, Emily. Congrats on on, uh, being married. (laughs) Right, what a great goal. So I guess that's really me in a nutshell, just kind of try and live my life with as much happiness as possible. I find it exhausting to be sad, so I try not to be and just live my life as optimistically as possible. And it works for me. I don't know if it's going to work for everyone. Well, you know, it, it, it shows. I met Emily at the Mass Conference for Women in December with about 7,000 women attending, and you can just see that her energy oozes happiness and joy. And when she came by the Happily Ever After is Real podcast booth, I said, hey, would you do us a favor and come on our radio show and share your experience with our many listeners? And I shared with with Emily, it would be so great if we could ask her the four questions that we ask all of our married celebrity guests. So and she said, sure. So why don't we get right into the the juice of it, Emily. So the, I'm excited. <laughs> how fun is this? So the one question we always we always love it. It's almost like a romantic or big romance novel. How did you meet your husband, and how did you know he was the one? So I've actually been dreading this question because I met my husband on a farm, and it sounds so ridiculous and so preposterous, but um, I guess you know you can't change your story. He and I were actually shoveling manure in a barn during the beginning of farm camp. We were farm camp counselors together, which I have to say, seeing a man good with kids for an entire summer is really good for for, um, husband material, I think. I, I think he got swayed a little in my favor because of that. But we had a great time, and I think it was just so, we started dating like a week into it, thought it was going to be some sort of summer fling, whatever, but it was so easy. And I think that's how I knew he was the one, is 
I think there's a lot of misconception. I I hate what chick flicks have done to romance because really when you find the right person, it's going to be the easiest relationship you've ever had. You won't have those big fights. It won't be up and down, up and down. And I think that we get confused. I think the person that's almost the one is the hardest relationship you'll ever have. And the one that really is the one is just so easy. Like you don't have to try. Fantastic. Now, had did you have a list of any sort, like here are my essentials, or had you dated, you know, a bunch of frogs, or like what had you <laughs> know? <laughs> How did you know? Was there a feeling that something, you know, as the romance novel says, you know, it's like I, I had the tingling that came through my body. Like what was it? Was it just knowing? What would you say, Emily? Well, I will say... I've always lived my life with non-negotiables. So, and I apply this to everything. Like if I'm looking for a job, what are my three non-negotiables for a job? And I can't be mad about anything after that. So when I was looking for a relationship, I'm like, all right, I just broken up with someone six months prior. It wasn't the right relationship. I think most women date a frog at some point, especially if you've been in the dating game for a while. So I had to kind of sit down and be like, what are my three non-negotiables. One of them was I needed someone who was as optimistic about marriage as I was. Some people are a little hesitant about marriage, and that's just never been how I am. So I needed someone who was as optimistic about it as I was. I needed someone who found me hilarious, because I think I'm hysterical. So when someone is not going to laugh with me at my jokes, it's just going to get awkward. And I needed someone who was really, really honest. I, I think honesty is most easy way to respect someone. So if you're not going to be honest with me, I I don't want anything to do with you. But the flip side of that is I can't get mad at anything that wasn't important enough to be in my non-negotiables. So my husband is never going to send me flowers this Tuesday. He's just not that kind of guy. I can't get mad at him for that because it was never something that was important enough to me to be in the vetting process. So I think that's extraordinarily important. In terms of how I knew, I'm going to say there's two important things. And the one thing was I just didn't have to try at all. I was just myself. He liked that about me. We had fun together. I think that's incredibly important. The other thing was I noticed that my best girlfriend said it felt right to them. And I think that we are so, especially as women, harsh to ourselves and critical. Having your female companion say, like, you just look better with him, or he seems to just get you, is huge. Having your female friends see in your relationship what you think you're seeing is a great validation. Wow, great. So you have women friends that also can trust you know, their feedback as well, So and, and you right. value that, it sounds like, which is, which is awesome. Well, I've had the two... Two of my best friends I've known since I was four years old. So not much is going to get past them, and I think that that's something I have that I'm extremely lucky for. But there's also women I met in college who know me extremely well. Um, I have a sister and a a mother who I think are pretty good advocates for me. I think even, even my brothers, actually. I have two brothers, and when I was pretty sure that I'm my husband and I were going to be thinking about getting engaged. I was at the bar with my brother, and my husband went to get a beer, and I said, hey, um, what, do you, what do you think about us? And he was like, you know, at first I wasn't really sure you're my baby sister. He's like, but now I'd be really pissed off if you guys broke up. 
Oh. So even though that's like a, a brother way of being there for you, it was still very clear to me that people in my life were seeing us together as a good thing. They weren't feeling like they weren't seeing me as often. They weren't feeling like I had changed. They weren't feeling like he was expecting things out of me that I couldn't give. They were seeing us as a good thing together. And I don't know how many times that really happens. Emily, well, that's fantastic. Part of one of the other tips that we share when we do our Happily Ever After workshop is that not only is it important to have married women, but it's all, you know, as, as, as mentors, you know, you find that sort of posse of women through life who support you in all of your life's endeavors. So when you do mm-hmm. find a man that you say, hey, I think he's really great, what do you think? You have somebody else who can say, yeah, he just he just seems like he makes you happier. So, I mean, A plus, you just really, the wisdom that you're sharing, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sitting here taking some copious notes myself. <laughs> <laughs> and so the next question we have, what did you have to know and trust about yourself before you could choose your husband and get married? I think, and this is such a huge question, really, because first was I needed to know what it was about me that made me someone I would want to date and what it was that I really had to work on. I think so many times we go through a breakup and we get really angry at the other person and we do a blame game or we really internalize it, and really it's both. In every breakup, there's two people. So, yeah, part of it was he probably did something really messed up and you're never going to forgive him, but what what was on you? So you need to own your flaws, I think, but you also have to celebrate your successes. So you have to take a moment and say, okay, what was that person wrong about and what were they right about and how can I negotiate those things? So I had to realize, okay, I'm hilarious, but I need to marry someone who has the same kind of humor as I do. I had to know I'm smart. That's something I've always been sensitive about. It's something I've always had really smart friends, so I always felt like, okay, maybe they're everyone's smarter than I am, when re- reality, I surrounded myself with smart people because I'm smart too. But those are things that's so hard to admit to yourself, and I do think women especially tend to be very, <clears throat> excuse me, self-critical. Mm. So finding the things that I really knew I could celebrate about myself and things that, you know, when people tell you over and over again, you're funny, you're smart, I love your hair, or whatever, that many people can't be wrong, but for some reason, women have a really hard time accepting compliments mm-hmm. to the point where you're like, if everyone thinks the same thing about me, and, and that goes both ways. If everyone thinks you're too sarcastic, you're probably too sarcastic. If you are, everyone thinks you're too sensitive, maybe you're a little too sensitive, but I think that we are so quick to accept the things that people say are wrong about us and so slow to accept the things that people say are good about us that we focus, you know, um, it's like, actually, at the Mass Women's Conference, someone was saying that you have this amazing work review, and then there's the one thing that needs improvement, and that's what we focus on. Really, we should be focusing on everything we're doing well, continuing to do it well, and then find ways to work with our weaknesses. So I think taking that time to really figure out what it is about you that you would want other people to see in you or what people do see in you and you're not seeing in yourself is important before you get married, certainly, because no one... No one's going to love you if you don't love yourself. Or they can try, they can try, but you're never going to have a successful relationship because unless you think you're deserving, that person's going to get exhausted on the other end trying to love you if you're not willing to love yourself. 
My goodness. And now tell me, as far as getting to that place, were you, would you journal? Would you? So you said you listen to other people's feedback, which is fantastic. Sometimes some women will say, you know what, Heidi, how I got there was I just would, I would meditate and I would really see that I had to own my own happiness first and I didn't even know how to do that. So they, they started a gratitude journal or they meditated. Is there any, was there anything like that? I'm way too easy to meditate. Almost <laughs> anyone who can do it, I can't do it. I've tried. It was a horrendous experience for me. I was like, what is happening? But what I did do, and this was actually the advice of my older sister, she was like, you need to date yourself. Take yourself on a date. And I think I took it a little too literally, but I literally went to movies alone, and I went to dinner alone, and I really took the time to spend alone time with myself and not be nervous about being out and about alone. And I think we have such a hard time, like the smartphone has made it so we don't have to have idle time. We can just sit at the table, and if someone gets up to go to the bathroom, the first thing we do is we pick up our phones so no one thinks we're lonely. But it's really okay to be comfortable being alone in public situations like that and getting that comfortability with yourself I think is incredibly important. Taking the time to read, do things that you independently are passionate about. Like I love belly dancing. I go to a belly dancing class. I'm not going to meet men in a belly dancing class, clearly. <laughs> but it was important for me to take that time to really – find something I cared about independently before I let someone else in. What a great sister. Now, is she happily married? She is. And my she goodness, is. so you, you really took took on that homework assignment that she gave you. Oh, and, absolutely. Wow. And Emily, I'll say I'm, I am blessed. My parents have been together. They got married in 1968. So they've been together nearly 50 years, and my um, sister and brother-in-law, she's 10 years older than me, have been together since I was nine. So I have very strong relationships to look up to, which I wish on everyone, and I know that's not possible, but for me that's been a huge blessing in my life, is having, you know, I, I've seen people fight and make and get through it, so fighting to me isn't the end of the world, and I think a lot of people are afraid of what fighting means. But really, I mean, my husband's grandmother once said to me, of course you're going to fight. You both have personalities, which I thought was one of the wisest things anyone has ever said to me because it's true. You're not going to agree 100% of the time. The only people who can do that are Barbie and Ken. I'm not ever going to do that. (laughs) Like, it's impossible. Now, she did say after that that women had too much careers and everything like that. So, you know, she is old-fashioned in her own way. But it was hilarious that... You know, she made it so matter-of-fact. You both have personalities, and I love that. Wow, and you know what? So she was giving, giving you the gift of just be authentic and always mm-hmm. always stay and, stay and be authentic to yourself, but also honor the fact that he's going to be his own authentic person too. Right, right. Wow, we what can't is- expect men to do things that we're not going to do. We can't expect men to give us a dozen roses every Friday because are we going to do something similar for them every Friday? Like we expect perfection so often without realizing that no one's perfect. Emily, that is, it's so great. The wisdom that you have in your circles have, have supported you. And that ties into our next question, which is, did you have women in your life before you were married? Do you now? And how were, or are other women instrumental to your success? So you shared a little bit about your sister, your your grandmother. Are there any other women in your life who 
before you were married who helped you during those times sometimes when you know the frogs would break up with 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 you or you'd decide he wasn't the one did you have women to support you I along that journey I have a lot of women and it's interesting because I never considered myself a girl's girl because I always had male friends and I credit my brothers with that like men have never intimidated me I've always been able to talk to them I've always been able to call them out it's never been an issue but as I got older I realized I actually have so many women in my life who have been so supportive. My mother's best friend, when my first boyfriend, when I was 15, dumped me, she got me the Eat the Cassidy CD with Time as a Healer on it. I just, like, listened to it on repeat. Um, When another ex-boyfriend broke up with me, my sister sent me Kate Nash CD with some songs on it that are probably not appropriate for a podcast. I was just in my car, like, bawling, listening to the music. (laughs) didn't want people to realize how sad I was or just like sit in my car, which I think is okay. Yeah. Well, you don't do it forever. Two good friends who would come over or, you know, and really talk to me. And I've also had my mom, she's been incredibly supportive. And I said, I look up to her relationship with my father a lot because not many people are married as long as they have been at this point. But she also knew when to call me out. Like at one point, I remember after a breakup, she's like, Emily, you've got to stop moping. She's like, this isn't you. This isn't how you've led your life so far. Why are you going to let someone else dictate how you're going to be? She's like, you've got to get over it. And that was so equally as important because I think you need to leave your time. A relationship ends it is a grieving moment, but there's a point where that's not healthy and you need to get off your butt, start doing the things you love, start becoming the person that you've always been and not let somebody else, not even a part of your life anymore, dictate how you're going to lead it. Wow, Emily. Really, really cool cool wisdom for the listeners out there to you, uh, to listening to you right now. And so another question. So is marriage, you know, a year and a half out, as you said, in your honeymoon phase, do you now have women in your life? So if you have a great day, it's easy to celebrate. If you or if you ever need support in in your marriage, do you have women that you pick up the phone and say, "Hey, can I run something by you?" So do you have sure, sure. Now? And I think what I've noticed that's really amazing, and I do think having people in couples in your life is so helpful because something will like just be pissing you off. Like my husband, I. I call it his Andy trail. His name's Andrew. He'll come in. He's a teacher and just leave, like, papers everywhere, like a trail. And I'll get so frustrated. So I'll call my sister or I'll call my mother or I'll talk to my sister-in-law. His brother's married as well. And I'll be like, this is so obnoxious. And they're like, that's just a man thing. It's like, this happens in every relationship. You're going to be picking up after them forever. Even, I don't care how far feminism comes, you'll always be picking up after them. And I was like, oh. I'm not alone in this. This isn't something to really be that frustrated about. And, yeah, I wish he would pick up his papers, but apparently, like, having people that relate to your experiences is fabulous. Or things will always upset women that don't upset men. Like, if I say I love you and he says thank you, I'm going to be like, are you kidding me? Because, mm. really, he's not doing that to be a jerk. He's genuinely thankful that I love him, it doesn't occur to him that I expect him to say, I love you too. You are delightful. (laughs) So it's just a misstep in communication that having other couples to talk to who are like, oh, my God, he does the same thing. It's fabulous. It's so important. Great, great, great info for all these gals who are listening. And, 
when you were talking about your mom and your sister and all these women and having a lot of friends, you, you weren't that type who you thought would have, like, you're not sort of, sounds like me, you know, I, I'm, I'm <laughs> kind and I have a lot of friends, but one thing we've seen and one thing we also share in our workshop is that your quality with women, your quality of your relationships with women, I should say, will equal the quality of your relationships with men. So if you're kind and you're generous and you're fun and you like to laugh and you're optimistic and you're honest, you're going to be you're going to be like a magnet to all these people. There a lot of a lot of women friends want that. They're looking for that. So I mean that quality of how you are with those women friends definitely sounds like it carried over with your relationship and in your marriage with with Andrew. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's mm-hmm. great as you shared that. It's like, you know what, there's a huge correlation there as well. And so it just seems like many men and women were instrumental to your success. And most of the time in our workshops we focus on, like, how were women instrumental to your success? But I, what I loved about your story today is how you shared how your brother was helpful. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you trusted you trusted a few men to also give you support. Is- and I credit my brother a great deal with how I've navigated my life because I think it's so easy for us to be intimidated by men or whatever. I grew up fighting over things with them. I'm not, a guy is just a guy to me. I'm not going to expect things out of a man. I'm not going to expect out of a woman. And women can hurt each other just if not more so as men can. So it's important to see men as vulnerable, they're looking for a relationship, they're navigating the dating world as well. I have plenty of male friends that are like, Emily, I don't know where to meet anyone. And I'm like, I don't know, not everyone can go to farm camp. I guess. <laughs> it's difficult, you know. It, I, I completely get it, but I think we have a really hard time recognizing that men are going through just as much as we are, and they're just as vulnerable as we are, and they're just as nervous as we are. I always say when my husband proposed to me, it was not the most romantic thing. He took me outside after a blizzard, sat me down on where the snow plow had gone, and was like, will you marry me? Not that romantic. But he was so nervous that how could I expect him to do something so out of his comfort zone? I needed him to be himself in that moment because it was an important decision. So I'm not going to expect something that's going to make him uncomfortable because he's in this as well. Emily, what I love, I love, I'm smiling as you're sharing your story because it's like here you go to this farm and you're going to be around horses and manure and all this other stuff. And I, what, what I'm taking away is like when you least expected it, like when you're just going to do what you enjoy, what you love to be around, you know, the farm, the farmers, et cetera, it's when the magic happened. Like you totally yeah. surrendered and almost like, just said, okay, you weren't even looking, it sounded like, at the moment. No, no, and I think nothing looks better on someone than happiness. There's nothing that's going to look better on you than you smiling. I notice a lot of women don't really smile in photos. I'm like, why? People want to be around people that smile. That's a natural inclination. Why are we turning that off? So it's right. important to just be happy. No one's going to see you being happy and be like, well, that's ugly. It doesn't yeah. happen. Yeah, so it's infectious. It's contagious. When your energy is in that high self-esteem, you have to sort of, you have to choose high self-esteem, right? If, right. If, when 
you're happy, you're choosing that, you know, I've got to be the one to be responsible for my happiness. And that's the cool part about your sharing today is that you're 100% responsible for your non-negotiables, what makes you happy, what you enjoy. I love how you took yourself out on dates. What I see is sometimes women think that all I need to do is dream. He's going to show up on my doorstep. And I always, we often sometimes Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> wouldn't that, that's the romance side. But it's being in action the way you were and doing all those great things and listening to friends and listening to your sisters and, and brother. Just just extraordinary. All of all of those were, you were open and you were also intimate and vulnerable and sharing what you wanted and you were asking for help along the way. So... Just, I just, I'm, as I said, I'm sitting here having my my tea as you have your coffee, and I'm <laughs> smiling as as you're sharing the story because it's really so fun. So, what homework would you give to single women to start doing right now so that they get prepared to find their husband? I would do what I did and make your non-negotiables and stick to them. So, you know, maybe you're the opposite. Maybe your parents are divorced. And you need someone that relates to that. Maybe that's a non-negotiable for you. And that doesn't mean to say that, like, you can't feel like you're being mean, cutting off certain people, but you need to be that ruthless because you're going to spend more time with this person than anyone else. So you have to be ruthless with your non-negotiables. Like, what is the most important? Like, do you want someone who's never, ever cheated on someone before? Like, is that a non-negotiable for you? Or could you let it slide? And if you could let it slide, don't let it get into the top three. But here's the challenge. Once you pick those top three, you don't get a fourth and a fifth and a sixth and a seventh. You only get three. Because you can't expect anybody to meet every single expectation you have for the perfect man. Because I'm telling you, it doesn't exist. And it's exhausting for you, it's exhausting for your partner, and no one's ever going to feel sufficient enough for you if you have a long list of things that you're expecting out of them. You wouldn't want anyone to come at you with a list of 10 things. So, like, why are we going out on the market and being like, I have a list of 25 things that I would like every gentleman to be? It's just not going to happen. That's a great one. So, okay, homework number one, ladies, if you're listening, write down your non-negotiables. Any other homework? You want to give them a bonus homework assignment? Sure. The other thing I would say is stop overthinking it. Find things that make you happy and do them. So if you're someone who loves politics, for example, I'm sure there's a local volunteer group for the party that you're interested in. That's where you're going to find people that have the same politics as you, the same level of intelligence as you, people that want to do something with their lives, you're not only going to be doing something you love, but chances are you'll be finding someone who loves the same things you do. So getting out there and doing the things that are fulfilling to you with or without a man in your life are likely to attract a man into your life. Emily, you are such a delight. And you're so oh, thank you. You are. <laughs> you're such a lover. So a year and a half into marriage, and she's she's our married married celebrity guest expert. And so, what are you going to do on your second anniversary? Any plans for that? That's going to be coming up. Of course, look at how fast the, this year, twenty twelve. Oh my gosh, it's right. flying! Any fun plans for your second anniversary celebration? What we'll probably do is 
we have a dog, so we can't go far. You know, dogs tie you down a little bit. But we do go up to a little lake. It's only like half an hour away. There's a cabin there. So we tend to celebrate there as much as possible. It's actually where we got married. It belongs to my family. So it's a good place to, like, go and just, you know, you get to be around all your nostalgic memories and it's so simple and it's just being with the person you love and you don't need to do anything extravagant to celebrate the fact that you have a partner and a companion in your life that's really on your side. Oh, sweet. It is. It has been such a delight to spend the last half hour with you, Emily, and for all of the women listening, this is such an incredible gift on your journey to success and finding your happily ever after is find those women who are married, happily married, and ask them, what did you do to prepare to get married? It is a sure win, and you'll be writing us soon telling us that you found the love of your life. So I just want to say thank you to Emily for her time today. And Emily, are there any last words you want to share with our listeners? Uh, I mean, I just say live your life with as much happiness as you can, and I'm sure happy things will happen to you. I love it. I want to say thanks again, Emily, and have a great, great day, week, year, and continue that love and spreading that happiness. You too. Well, that's it for this episode. We thank you for joining the conversation and hope that you've been inspired. For access to more about our programs and publications, please visit trishabennett.com. If you're a married woman with a great love story that you'd like to share here, please let us know by messaging us at our contact page. Until next time, thanks for listening, and we wish you love.